right, you bunch of yahoos. Strap yourselves in for another episode of Dan and Don's Toxic Masculinity. In other words, shut up, sit up, and pay attention. And welcome back to another episode of Toxic Masculinity. We are here to offend, defend, entertain anybody and everybody. We are a couple of old crotchy farts that have a bad habit of speaking the truth and won't let a few facts get in the way of a good story. We believe in America and Americans. And if this isn't for you, well, then I suggest you change the channel. We still believe in freedom of speech and we'll rub your face into it like the cow pie of reality. Let's see where we're at. Okay. Normally I would be introducing my, my cohort, uh, Don Fry, but uh, Don is a little under the weather. Uh, I think he has either hoof and mouth syndrome or the drizzly shits. I'm not sure. They're kind of both somewhat similar. We want to wish him a speedy recovery. Sitting in for Don tonight is Tony Martinez. Tony is Tony is a homeless man that I saw uh, pushing his grocery cart down the sidewalk. Um, oh, I, well, I'm sorry. I mean his RV down the street. I said to myself, hey, there's a guy with a mustache and a goatee. He can easily fill in for Don Fry here tonight. So here we go. Here we go. A little, a little tribute to Johnny O, who knows who I, I'm quoting him when I say that. Here we go. Here we go. Another true American, a ring announcer who pays tribute to all the men and women of uniform. Tonight's guest is none other than Sonny Ono. I've known Sonny for basically the, the wacky world of professional wrestling, but Sonny has a very diverse background being in the movies and uh, just doing a, a number of other things. But, but tonight it's going to be, we're just going to have a chance here to talk with Sonny, get to know him a little bit more and hopefully get your fans to know a little bit more about the legend of Sonny Ono. Hey, how are you? We're, Sonny, we are doing fantastic. we got Tony that is down in uh, in Tucson, Arizona. I'm back in uh, Coldwater, Michigan. And you just made the comment that you are in Dallas, Texas? Yeah, right outside of Dallas. Of course, you know, okay. I'm, 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 I, I live in a town called Sunnyvale. So there you go. Sunnyvale, Texas. Nice. <laughs> well, again, te Texas is one of those states that uh, even though, I mean, we're, we're not going to try to get too political here right now, but uh, but Texas is one of those states that's been, I don't know, it seems like open for business. Texas, yeah. Florida, you know, uh, a couple good states there that seemed like they, they weren't real concerned about some of the wackiness <laughs> and weirdness that was going on with all of these people running around, and I don't have none of these things to show the, the mask and stuff like that, but... Uh, well, you know, I was in Japan in January, you know. Yeah. We can't. can't hear you. Did you lose me? Yep, yep. Okay, we just just now got you back. Yep, yep, yeah. We just lost your, your voice there. It's kind of again. I get. I I I don't know if you tried. I don't know if you tried to trick us in some of these bad foreign films where the mouth is moving, no words are coming out, and then all of a sudden, like it comes out in there. No, we're not doing a Chinese movie gimmick. No. <laughs> <laughs> Dead. No. Kill you. One of those, you know. Yes, but exactly. Anyway, but no, uh, no, I was in Japan. Everybody was wearing a mask, and I, I come back to Dallas, and nobody wears a mask here, you know. So yeah, 
Yeah, but one of the things, again, uh, you know, I'll say like early on in my career, the first few times I did go to Japan, one of the things I really did like about Japan is the fact that the people are very courteous. They're just, they're courteous people. It's, it's a very clean country. You don't, you don't see graffiti. You don't see trash on the ground like you see here in the United States. It's pretty, it's, it's pretty, Americans could learn a lot about, you know, how to keep, how to keep your country clean, culture-wise and stuff like that. Yeah, but, you, you know, Dan, I work as a, you know, I work as an international consultant for a lot of business. What people want to do business in Japan, it just fundamentally way they do business, way they live, it's whole different, right? You said you've been to Japan, so you understand this. Yes. That from the childhood, first thing you learn is be mindful of others. In other words, if I do something, how is it going to affect the guy who's next to me? That's the first thing they learn as a kid. So that's why. That's why you saw the the at the World Cup on a soccer, Japanese guys were cleaning up their in the you know the, the stadiums after the yes. game, because they knew somebody else was going to come and sit here after I'm gone. So that that's the theory. Same thing with the mask. People were wearing a mask way before COVID in Japan because if I got a cold, and if I'm you know if if, if I'm coughing, that means I'm going to affect the people who's around me. Therefore, I wear a mask. Yeah. So. The, the, the whole theory is different. And same thing in a business, you know. Japanese no, don't want to come. Yeah, I, I was uh, yeah, just uh, just uh, don't mean to interrupt you, but just stopped it at that first point because the mass only really came out in the United States just in the last couple of years where it was big time mass, mass, mass. But I noticed that way, I mean, you know, what, 30 years ago when I, you know, when I was making my first trips to Japan, I, I noticed like I'd see someone on a bus or I'd see someone on a subway and, and I see them wearing a mask. I'm thinking, wow, they're wearing a mask. So I kept thinking, but what you find you couldn't find out because I, I would ask an interpreter something like that. Well, why are they wearing a mask? Like going, well, they probably have a cold or something like that. They're being courteous of others. I'm thinking, yeah. Oh, that that to me made perfect sense, you know. Yeah. It it just it just that's why people like to live there, you know, aside from not having a lot of space. But if you go in the country, you're okay. But it it's it's like you know it's interesting because it's here it's it's me 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 right what's good for me you know what am I getting out of this you know over there it's like when Japanese sends out a satellite right the big project like you know putting a satellite up, up satellite up in a, a, a space okay. Okay. yep they don't they don't do it by themselves they do it with like three different companies generally Sumitomo Mitsubishi Mitsui or something like that, you know, there's a family that runs Japan, actually. But those are, they're always, you know, so if we if we succeed, we all succeed. If we fail, you know, not one person takes a blunt of it. So they always share in their, you know, their success, and they also share in their failure, too. But if you fail, it doesn't, it doesn't kill me. You know, I have two other brothers who's, who's going to take the blunt of that, that you know, that, that uh, whatever the cost is. But that's yeah. their theory. So their thinking is a little different, you know. No, I, well, again, well, uh, some of the first couple trips I've made over to to Japan, I was very impressed with. Well, first off, how well, how small like a uh, hotel room could be. Yeah, and, I and yet, you. And, but but yet so very proficient, and then I then but then later on because the tiny homes movement was nowhere even in, in a thought process inside the United States until, again, probably 25 to 30 years later, did this tiny homes movement. I think, you know, tiny homes movement could learn an awful lot from the Japanese culture because when you would go into a restaurant and you would see 
where the, the where the cook is doing all of their business, where, where the counter is and where the people are sitting, it, 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 you'd be surprised in such a small area, you'll have four or right. five tables all yeah. going at it and the, the, the cooks and everyone's busy and it's like, wow. Efficient. Yeah, very efficient. You, you think this is only like a couple of bedrooms put together in, in like an America type of home, but the way that it's all laid out, it makes sense. Now, it, it probably wouldn't be as uh, precise because a lot of Americans are not exactly the same fiscal stature as Japanese people, but I always tell people America might be number one in a lot of different ways, including obesity. Now we have such we have such large people. There's a problem with getting their hind ends and their guts around different types of things because maybe they shouldn't be eating as much as what what, what they're eating in the process. But well, you, know, you know, as you know in Japan, you know, it, it, there's a lot of public transit, and we do a lot of walking. You know, yes, we do a lot of walking in Japan, which which we don't do here. You know, I, I mean, including myself. You know, we just jump in a car and go two miles. You know. Yeah, we'll, we'll get like I always say, everyone drives to the gym to get a workout in or <laughs> it's kind of like good. Geez, you know, <laughs> there's there's just I gotta you know, go, I gotta go to the gym and get on the treadmill so I can do my cardio. Yes, yeah, no, combo co type aspect. Let, let's let's just kind of jump into it there. And again, Tony, if I'm talking too much, just forgive me for it's the caffeine that's starting to kick in here really good. Oh, good. You know, good so good. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna jump around to different parts of this right now. But I want to kind of know I can because I'm looking at it from a from a fan's perspective right now. Where did you get your start? Because I mean, as I was reading different things about you, you've been you've been involved in movies. You've been a, a, as a uh, in professional wrestling. You've you've done commercials. You've you've done so many different types of things. It's like where did you start? Did you have an athletic career early on in, in, in high school, college, or what inspired you to get into something different? Where, where did the where did the spark come? Well, I you know I immigrated here when I was eleven years old. I came with my mother and my two other younger sisters, um, and and uh, like in nineteen sixty eight or so, somewhere around there, and and. Um, uh, when I came here, um, you know, first thing, you know, you, you, you kids from Japan, you know, I don't speak any English, but you know, you, you, you go to a grade school and they didn't have, they didn't have a special ed or anything like that to help, help the people who didn't speak English. Right. They just kind of threw you in there, you know? And, and, uh, um, one of the things they kind of expected the Asian kid to have is to be able to be able to speak, speak, um, uh, be able to speak English, uh, English. English but, I, but I couldn't. So, and and they expected you to know some martial arts. So you know, <laughs> and 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 I, I used to, I was doing judo back then, and uh, um, so it, it it was really funny that uh, um, uh, judo and, and and karate was like something you learned when you were in school, you know, just like you guys play baseball here, yeah, and, and you know, and and um, now soccer and football certainly here in Dallas. Um, but in Japan, it was it was a martial art. It was kendo, which was fencing. There was always a club, judo. You know, of course, that's grappling. And and uh, he did karate. Those were the kind of thing that there was a club after school. So we all kind of did it. And when I came to U.S., hey, you you kid from Japan, you know, you, you must know some of that karate kung fu stuff, don't you? And and you know, so, so Stere stereotyping here. Okay, yeah, oh, yeah. Absolutely. 
but I gravitated towards that. I mean, I found a, cl a club, a judo club, and I found a karate a school. So I, I, you know, I did that through high school, and I continued to do that till uh, um, till I got into uh, uh, in my early twenties. I started competing nationally um, through Midwest, um, and and that's basically how I got into, uh, believe it or not. I befriended a guy named by guy named by Eric Bischoff, who became a president of WCW later on, and we used to travel around the country going to a karate tournament. And, oh, that, and that's where you that's where you actually met Eric, because that was going to yeah. be one of my questions later on about how you get involved with WCW. That, but he but he was in karate way back. Way was back Minneapolis. Then. I was in Iowa, about hundred miles south, and and uh, uh, you know uh, we, would, we would get in a car and. Go go to uh, Atlanta, Georgia, um, or, or you know, or, or North Carolina, or Dallas, or all over the United States. You know, we would drive, and it, it's only way we found out that we could have fun because we, you know, our early twenties, you know, we get we get to, we get to see some young ladies, we get to fight and not go to jail. You know, I mean, that, that's basically. You know, we didn't. Well, again, you, 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 I'd say at that time era, you, you were probably living like the American dream at that point in time because it was a different era at yeah. that point in time. Drinking age was, was a lot younger at that point in time there as well. So, you know, I, I, I remember again be, being in high school and then traveling with a couple seniors and uh, we would go to our amateur wrestling tournament. When the tour was done, they're pulling into the, the local uh, stop and rob type of a party store. They're grabbing themselves a, a couple six packs. I, again, at, at that time, I, they, they came out with uh, carbonated Gatorade. It's like, going, I, I grabbed myself a six pack of carbonated Gatorade. And these guys are, they're, they're driving, drinking beers. And then, uh, you know, it's like, it just a different time era at that point. There yeah. were no, you know, drinking yeah. laws of the, the nature while behind the wheel. You didn't have to have a seatbelt on. I mean, there was, like I said, just a different, this is a different time era altogether. It was, because, you know, you, you could be on the age, you know, or, or, or drinking, or, you know, it was open, open, you know, open containment. They get pulled over and cop will pull you over and tell you this is take your beer and tell you to get your ass home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it, a, diff, a different way of even how the law enforcement would conduct themselves. I mean, just told it just it was that old theory of uh, it takes what it takes a village to raise a child, and, and the village did it. I mean, it's, but it's kind of like when it wasn't uh, they weren't simply just you know sending you out to prison. It, it basically is like no, you, you you're being a dumbass here. You know, take the beer, get home. You know that kind of stuff. <laughs> But you know that's how we I, we became pretty good friends, and we done some business together in the early twenties. And uh, I, I created this little game called Ninja Star Wars, which was a star made out of Velcro, and we had a vest that built, you know that that was the Velcro would stick to, and you it was a low tech laser tag. That's what it was. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, and and I you know we would create a storyline like capturing the flags and that kind of thing, and and. Uh, I showed it to Eric. We used we used to play this thing in our karate school, and Eric says, "Hey, you gotta manufacture this thing, and we gotta we gotta get it on TV and sell this stuff." And and uh, um, and, and and what's gonna happen is that he says, "I said I don't know anything about marketing, Eric. You know." And he says, "Well, we gotta get this on national TV, you know." So I said, "Okay, how are we gonna do that?" He says, "Well." I know this wrestling company, AWA, up there in Minneapolis, was Vern Gagne, and they had a syndicated show on the ESPN. 
And what they would do is they would take their TV show, you know, sell it, or they would do kind of trade, you know, they, they would give them like commercial time and sell the commercial, national commercial time up in Minneapolis. Well, Eric went in and made a deal, says, hey, give us one of your commercial time. Let us, we'll make a commercial, put it on, and we'll sell the thing all over the United States, and we'll split the money with you. And rest is kind of story. So those of you who hate Eric Bischoff being in the wrestling business, uh, they can blame me for it. Because what happened was, Vern Gagne and those guys said, gee, you know, here's this good-looking kid, Eric Bischoff. He's a great salesman, you know. So uh, let's 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 make him our salesperson. He got a job as a syndicated salesman for uh, AWA, and later became announcer. When one of the announcer was uh, not in the shape to do the TV show, so they put a jacket on Eric Bischoff, and he became a third string announcer. Wow. And that moved down, and then he went because he was going down Atlanta to sell the TV show, and he got a job down there was with WCW, and that's how he that's how he got in the wrestling. Wow, that that was amazing. That was amazing. So, so Tony, just to kind of give you uh, bring you up to speed. Last summer, I happened to be up in Cody, Wyoming. There was yeah. a, a uh, event that took place in Cody, Wyoming. There, uh, the uh, cast. What was that it's called? A, the, uh, it's a fundraiser thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was. I think it was called the Cody Days. Is what it was. There was a yeah. a rodeo, and there was there was actually a, a golf, golf outing. Golf, yeah. Yeah. So there all that with that the fight. Yeah, they, 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 they had there was a fight, but then they also had. I mean, like I said, they, they, they had a lot of different uh, celebrity athletes from just a, a, a vast array of sports and stuff like that. And that's where literally, I mean, I had met Eric Bischoff before, but in a very kind of like more of a business type of manner. But this was actually kind of like laid back individual. It's like going, we're actually we're at his home. Whereas yeah, home we and, for dinner. Yeah, and then he's cooking like what what Kobe beef, I think it was something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. but again, I would have never known he was such such a, such a chef because he, I mean, he had the old meat the thermometer. Oh, yeah. It's like the fantastic meal that his uh, wife and him uh, prepared. But I, I, I had a chance there for over the course of a couple of days. I wish I had more time, but that was where I hit this deer or antelope or what I had. Oh, I spent yeah. more time on the phone trying to get a vehicle because all during the COVID there, I, I, I you know, trying to find a rental car. Trying to buy a car and uh, no, couldn't... tell them what happened. You you got in the car. Well, it, it was it was again. I I'm actually going to that same event this coming year. And I, again, I told myself yeah. I'm going to travel a little bit differently because I don't yeah. want to hit any more animals. <laughs> I, I need yeah. the more hood ornaments. But that was, you know, I'm I'm only there going there. You, what what people realize? I hit this again. I, I'm not sure if it was a deer, an antelope, a mule deer. Not sure. It didn't stop to identify itself. Something big. But it, jumped out, but it jumped out of ravine, uh, out of the ravine, and basically by the time by the time I realized it's there, bam! And I've never had a, I've never had a airbag go off in my face, but like boom, all done. I'm, I'm thinking, am, am I hurt or whatever? I, I I don't know. All I know is that as I'm coasting down the freeway, my engine's dead. Okay, I can see the front end is caved in, and I'm like going, what I want people to understand is the speed limit in Wyoming is 80 miles an hour. 
So Mead's Dan Several was doing probably 85, maybe pushing to 90 miles an hour. Cause I'd like going, I've always, I, I deal with a lot of law enforcement. They're like, Dan, just keep it underneath this. You know, you'll, you'll be good to go. So I just do this set the cruise. It's what's set on the cruise and bam. And all I know is like, as I'm, as I'm rolling, knowing that I better get this car off the road before I come to a dead still, but there's no, there is no shoulder. <laughs> I'm like going, there's a, there's a ravine, but there's no shoulder. So I, I eventually got it off enough and had to go back and was kicking all the scrap plastic and stuff like that. And then it's kind of like going, go back to my cell phone. It's like going, it's like 6 a.m. in the morning. I'm looking all around, not another vehicle in sight. And I'm like going, help, help, help. There's no out there. You know, I, I'll get it. I'll leave it at that. I mean, but being at that event, you know, I, I was able to, to sit down with uh, with both Sonny and with his wife and with uh, Eric Bischoff and his wife, being at, at Eric Bischoff's home, the home that he had specially built just so he could watch the sunrise, the way he had yeah, his, his, the one, the way he had the, the way house built. And it was just to look at this beautiful sunrise and sunset, I mean, Nice, yeah. nice, nice accommodations right there. It, it looked like artwork, Danny. Looking outside of his, you know, remember the bar he had? Oh, yeah, like, like the, the, the old like Stelgic bar. Yeah, it's like his bars were literally from 1800. Um, uh, you know, and and uh, his house is, is absolutely beautiful. He built that house, but way the way you see the from his back window into the, I mean, it's like a picture, something yes. you see in cowboy, pic, you know, and, and, and a mural. Because you got a mountain on both sides, and you yes. got Levine that comes down, and you got a big old water lake that goes out there. You know, it's a pretty amazing, really. Yeah, um, it's, it's a beautiful. He, I don't know how many acres he has, but he has ten plus acres, and yeah, he he's got it going on pretty good the way he wants to live. Yeah, right. like I said the, the biggest thing I liked about that was simply I, I I got a chance to actually get to know him in a very relaxed atmosphere. It wasn't yeah. there wasn't the hustle and bustle of the of professional business, yeah. business or like that. It was just a very relaxed. Yeah, individual, but then not only at his home, but then also being at the uh, the different events, uh, the the banquets and stuff like that, just to see right. you know how people interact and and it, it was great. It, I mean, I really enjoyed the event, and I look forward to going to it again this coming summer. I'm just going to yeah. do it a little bit differently and keep my eyes a little bit better peeled for yeah deer, antelope, you know, whatever else. If you, yeah, if you fly into Billing, you don't want to fly into Cody because there's only like one flight a day. So you fly into Billings, it's about an hour drive north, you know, from, from Cody, Wyoming. Cody, Wyoming, ladies and gentlemen, is it's 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 the uh, entrance to uh uh um uh, the 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 great national park, you know. So Yellowstone. Um, Yellowstone, yeah. Yellowstone. So yeah, so it's 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 pretty cool. And and it's Cody is a name after Buffalo Bill Cody. Buffalo Cody. Yeah, and, the Wild and, West Show, Wild Bill yeah, Cody, yeah, yeah, and Irma Hotel, which is the famous hotel there that the people can stay there. That Irma Hotel was the granddaughter, I think, or daughter or granddaughter of, uh, of Buffalo Bill. I mean, I mean, it's like when you go there, it's like going back in time, right? It's, oh no, it wasn't. Well, I I enjoyed it because I ended up staying in, in one of the cabins, and it yeah, was so did like, I. You know, yeah, because yeah, I mean, staying in a hotel room. I've stayed in lots of hotel rooms. I'm like, going, no, I'd like to stay in this lodge. I love this the lodge because it was. I mean, each day I come out, then you got squirrels. I mean, that the, these these squirrels are so domesticated. I mean, literally, you walk out, you think they would run away. No, they're like 
well, what you got for me? And it's like, they're looking at you like, okay, well, I see you, you see me. What you got for me? You know, it's like they're waiting for you to throw them something, you know? You know, it's really funny. At, at Cody, Cody Hotel or uh, Irma Hotel, they have a gunfight, you know, reenactment of a gunfight there uh, uh, every day. I think it's a five or six. So I want sons going down. They have a big gunfight there. I don't know if you if you caught that or not, but it's it's pretty cool. And and uh, yeah, if, if you ever get a chance, that that's really a, an experience. You know, certainly I've been there twice now, and and I'm gonna go. We're planning on going back. You know, I'll, I'll see you over there this year. No good, no. But, uh, I, I was gonna ask if you if you if your your intentions are to come back because I, I my intention yeah. is to go back to because I want I want to spend a few extra days afterwards. I want to go to actually to Yellowstone National Park because you know right. the like I think last spring. Due to the rain and stuff like that, part of the uh, I know. there was a flood going on. Yeah. Remember? Yeah, yeah, they had, had floods going on. So I, I'm hoping that that does not happen because I would like to spend a few more days and actually take that in because that it's just a historic site. I love to see it. And Dan was uh, spending most of his time. Every time I saw him, and I would see him on the times, phone. We, we stay on the cabin. You know, we, we were like field door down from each other. And I I say, hey Dan, you want to? He'll he'll be like, he's on the phone. Trying to yeah. find a car, buy a car, uh, you know, it, get it, it car towed. Like yeah. you were busy all the time. Well, yeah, I, I, it, it was just crazy because I, I, I'd say I, I have a normal amount of craziness, but this with with having that that whole car issue, and then knowing that I can't even get a rental car until like three or four days after I'm supposed to depart, and I can okay, how's that going to work? And even then, even then, though, Sonny. I didn't. They couldn't tell me what kind of a car I would get. Is it going to be a truck? Is it going to be a car? I mean, it's it just and at a rate at a rate of five hundred dollars a day. Yeah, insane. I mean that, that because because that car is only going to make a one way trip. So that's what I go. Well, this was our, our option. Let's start looking at buying something up here now. So right. I had right. now I had, now getting transportation to the, the folks that that uh, that hosted. Supposed to be up there, they were fed. They actually gave me a car to use, so like I, I can't say enough nice things. The, the people, of Cody, were just fantastic. How they helped me get to and fro, and uh, you know, I, I did I tell you that my hair was jet black then, and, and all that stress has caused all this to happen to me. <laughs> so, so that must be what happened to me. <laughs> well, yeah, it's all it's but I, I always tell people that. Every because I, I always set up like a little display and, and I put up all these different eight by tens. I and and as they look at they look down, they look at you, they look down, they look at you. I go, I go, that's called just for men, just for men number 45. I go, I've been coloring my hair for so many years. I go, before I ever entered professional, I was coloring my hair. Before I ever entered in the octagon cage, I was coloring my hair because of the psychological edge of if you were walking into a cage to fight someone, are you going to be intimidated when you look across there and you see a gray-haired, gray mustache, gray eyebrow individual? No. So, but I learned that actually. I learned a lot of that through professional wrestling because my first profession was professional wrestling. And so it's all about visual. visual okay, because you tell your story. Yeah, you, you, you tell your story for through audio, visual, I mean, and, and most time people aren't, aren't going to be able to hear you. So it's the way that you carry yourself. And that's why you see when people, when wrestlers are walking to that ring, how they posture up, how they, they bow their back and they puff up their chest like peacocks and stuff like that. I mean, it's, I mean, it's comical, but, but, but tell, but to tell a story. 
Let me ask you this. When you did, you, you know, one of the first UFC fights, matter of fact, I was there when you fought in the, in, in the first octagon, actually. But um, I was in the audience watching that stuff. Um, but um, did you, what, did they, did they announce you as a professional wrestler? No, what? no, but, but they, what they trouted on as well, at the very first one, you know, it was the standard type uh, lines of like, uh, where where were you? Uh, where do you live? Uh, what's your height, weight, age, all that kind of stuff? And even then, they got different things wrong. They never had my age right. Um, but but then uh, they like they asked me the question. So what's your fight? So what's your fighting style? I had never been asked that question before. So I just paused for a second. I'm like, I'm an American wrestler. But when I said that that line, American wrestler, they had never the lady had never heard that response before. So she like looks left and right. She leans in. She goes. What exactly does that do? And then I kind of like mimicked her. I looked left to right, and I go, "You might want to watch." I'm making this up as I go because I mean, I only trained. I only trained. I mean, Sunday. I mean, when I tell people, I only trained for five days, an hour and a half a day, and I never trained. I never trained a single submission. I never trained a single legitimate strike. I I had wow. Al Snow. I had Al Snow, professional wrestler Al Snow. Sure. I trained her, him and, and a couple other professionals and protégés inside of a professional wrestling ring because a professional wrestling ring was the closest thing that could come to a cage of a confinement. Right. And they had one old pair of boxing gloves and they tried to punch, kick, and do whatever submissions you could do with boxing gloves on. And I go, what did I really learn? I mean, I, I Sonny, I wish I could have had some film footage of that training camp because it was... It was pure gold. It was so much comedy because no, they didn't know what they're doing. I don't know what I'm doing. It was the biggest cluster you could well, ever UFC, imagine. UFC didn't know what they were doing. It was the Ultimate Fight Championship. And, oh. and the basic premises was, who, what's the best style? And, and of course, everybody learned right away that it's, it wasn't the style. It was just the, you know, An the individual. individual. Yeah, an of individual course. who came along because you've seen strikers that been, been able to win, you've seen grapplers that been, been able to win, and the sport has evolved full circle to oh, we have absolutely. strikers that can that can grapple with the best of the grapplers, and you got grapplers that can strike with the best of the strikers. So now right. the sport has gone full circle. It's been around for thirty years. You've got this new evolution of, of an athlete. And of course, when you when you when you find UFC, there's no weight classes. You know, I mean that well, that that makes a big difference. No, no weight classes, no time periods. When you think about no time periods, cardiovascular, cardiovascular is going to play in there somewhere along the ways. Someone's going to get a little bit huffing and puffing. So you know, that's uh, it was it was like the wild wild west, and in the, and it even was. then, and even then, the USC themselves they allotted like a two hours for to do an eight man tournament. Right. They did not. They did not have all of these interviews, previous interviews, or all this stuff. So if if a match goes short, they did not have filler. So now when you know, when when they're when they're when they're turning the camera back towards uh, uh, the announcers booth, and they're like uh, they're looking at each other like, "What are we talking about?" I was like, "Well, did anybody find that tooth that flew out of the last guy's head?" They're like, going, "Well, here's our t-shirts." Um, you know, uh, they they, yeah. they were lost. It's a it's it is a very well oiled machine today. Now, oh my God! I mean, I mean, I mean Endeavor paid all that money. I mean, can you imagine? The, well, the, the, okay, you know. just just recently, you see where the where the United WWE, of, uh, WWE and the UFC coming together underneath the same 
Umbrella, wow. I, I mean, I can't oh, even imagine. Think, think about this for a minute, okay? How smart is Vince McMahon? Vince McMahon got ousted, as you know, most of you guys who listen to this yeah. probably know, got ousted because of his 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 uh, his personal issues. Let's uh-huh. just leave it at that. And, you know, they kicked him out. And he says, well, I'm coming back because he's a major stockholder. Or he owns all the stock or the majority of the stock. So he comes back and says, I'm coming back only to facilitate this sale of this, you know, sell this company. Well, he doesn't sell to Disney. He doesn't sell to Universal. You know, he, he actually do a merger with Endeavor. He gets, before that, he announces two-year contract. So he so he's there now. He didn't just come back. He's going to be there at least two years or longer. And he sold his stock. A controlling stock to Endeavor. So, what happened? You know, stockholder made money because the stock is going up because of what happened. But Vince McMahon is still there, still in charge, but made all that money on sale. I mean, this guy's brilliant. My God. Well, again, he just... It was, I mean, it, was, it was almost comical how it all came about in, in a lot of different ways. But again, who got the last laugh? Vince. Oh, I mean, even oh, even I'm though sorry. even though he he, he kind of got his uh he got the, a little bit of a pickle here, a little bit of a pickle yeah. there. But uh, the man is almost like the Teflon man. <laughs> oh yeah, and he's still there. You know, yeah. what's going to be interesting? What's going to be interesting is because UFC right now has a deal with uh uh. You know, ESPN two. That's why they broadcast all this stuff. Yep. And they do a pay per view um, through ESPN. So, and of course, everybody knows ESPN is owned by Disney, ABC, and Disney. So, so Disney going to have their, you know, is is now is is WWE programming. Are they going to be go to ESPN through Disney Network, like uh, you know Disney Plus, uh, ESPN two? You know, so that's going to be interesting because their TV deal is running out now. You know, so they have to renew their deal. So, you know, I I, I got a feeling because because uh, UFC's model, you know, they give you preliminary fights, right? Then you got to go yeah. pay seventy nine ninety five to go watch yeah. the main for, event. For, watch the main event, yeah. So what's going to happen to all the all the pay per view from? WWE, uh, uh, it, you know, you're not going to be able to get it with part of your package from 9.95 on the Peacock channel. They're going, I think, they're going to have to pay the big money like they used to, but you know, before they they went in the streaming service. So that's all going to be very interesting, you know. Uh, I think, that, but either way, it's 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 evolving. It's a huge business. Um, I was uh, I was in WrestleMania. I was over there at WrestleCon signing autographs. Uh-huh. Dan, you need to come with me next time when I go. You can sit. You can sit in the table next next to me and sign some autograph. You know, Sonny, um, you, you just let them know. Uh, they haven't get in contact with you. It's like going. I would. I would simply just enjoy just the conversation and, and just be caught up because it's good. I always tell people that, you know, people have been involved in the industry for a lot of different reasons and things of right. that nature. It's kind of going. It's nice to know that that you just. It's because of your brain power and versus. Are you a big goody looking type of a wrestler or something like that? So, and to be able to stick around, to, uh, stick around it as long as what you have. How long has well, Eric Bishop had? Longevity you have, you know. I mean, you're. I know you do a lot. You still do a lot of clinic, and 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 you still do a lot of teaching. 
and yeah. and and that alone is is amazing career you had. Um, you know, you you have taken your notoriety and and being being a great fighter. Um, you know, you you're a real deal that that still teaches the real fights. And you know, people know who Dan Severn is. So you know, and when they have the things like Russell Khan, who, who the, basically a fan comes out yeah. and wants to meet you, get a picture with you, get your autograph. Those things are, you know, <clears throat> it, it, you're giving it back to the fan. And for us, we get to see, you know, the people people in the industry that, that, that we've done business with, friends. and So it's a good time, you know, and, and you, you make a couple bucks. But more than anything else, you get to hang out with a lot of your friends. Yeah, that, that's great. I mean, but, but even the... Uh looking at the American market, but then not looking at the, the Japanese market because the, the Japanese have a much greater appreciation yeah. for if a, if a athlete icon or whatever that st stays around for a while, I mean, they just seem, they just have a much greater appreciation of that kind of stuff. So I, so I, I looked at, I know we, we chatted a little bit about this when we were in Wyoming there, that uh, Casper, that uh, I should say uh, Cody that, you know, maybe, you could be my spokesperson for a few things over into Japan and ads. Cause I would, you know, now yeah, that, that we're, we're finally out of, uh, Oh, well, I say, yeah, we're, we're moving forward. The, the world is trying to move forward in business yeah. and other things right now. So I, I definitely off the air, we'll, we'll chat about, about some other things. Um, if, if again, we didn't get a chance to talk into you, 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 you springboarded, you utilized your wrestling career though, but, but you've been involved in a number of movies too, correct? Well, it was, actually it was my martial art. Um, I, I was, I was asked to be in a movie, uh, film one production company out of Canada, a friend of mine, another friend of mine, another martial artist that I used to compete with, Jalal Mahi. Um, and, and he, he had a production company and in Canada, this is like, you know, early nineties, you know, 89, nineties. And, and uh, you know, we're young and the guy said, hey, you want to, you know, you want to read the, the game of script? And I said, yeah, I like this script, but I like this guy better. It was the second lead in the part, which was, uh -huh. you know, I played a Hong Kong policeman. And actually, you remember Bolo Young, the big muscle guy in, in uh, Bruce Lee movie, The Enter the Dragon? He, okay, was in yeah, the, yeah. he was in a movie with me and Jamie Farr from MASH, he was in a movie with me. And, yeah, know, again, so, you, I, I, I just love the the, the Bash series in the first place. It's just so, just such good comedy, you know. So you know, so you know, you know how it is. If Dan, just like you back in the UFC days, says, "Well, you want to get in a fight?" Well, okay, you know, with this fighting, yeah, they real fighting. Okay, you know, you, you don't say, "Well, I never, I never done this before." No, you said, "No, yeah, I'll fight somebody, no problem." Yeah, it's no, no different if if Dan. You know, with a mustache you got, if somebody called you up and said, hey, we want you in this Western, you know, you put a hat on you and, and, and you, you, I don't know how, if you can ride a horse, but if a producer asks you, can you ride a horse? You said, sure, I can ride a horse. Tip the head of little little lady, where, where are you going? I mean, you betcha, I put on my best old country Western dialogue I can. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, you, last time you probably wore a spur, you were probably with some young lady with a whip on her hand. But anyway, <laughs> well, we, well, you know, we won't talk about any of those right now. <laughs> talk about what you did in Japan. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if, but, if if people want to get in contact with you, because you said that you're still you're still an entrepreneur, that if people want to get in contact with Sunny Ono to say they want to book you for different things that what's what's the best way for people to get in touch with you well, just, just you know the best way to do is find, find me on facebook you know i'm okay. I'm, 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 the, I'm the sunny ono 
uh, and just, you know, just message me, you know, uh, uh, private message me and, and I'll get back to you. But yeah, it's, it's pretty easy. You know, we're, we're, uh, but Dan, I think I, I'm going to have to get you back in Japan, you know. Well, again, um, before I get too much older here right now, you know, it's, uh, well, you know, they do before have I start a, my new career, you know. Well, they do have a legend show where, you know, where they bring you yes. in, do the little talk show and do autograph signing. You know, I, 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 I went back, I did autograph signing, and, and, and my thing just sold out. Um, so I, I, I did an hour signing. It sold out. I was there in the Oklahoma arena, and, and, uh, uh, what was what was real cool was that um, uh, I, I brought Sting there for the Muda, Great Muda's last event, and thirty thousand people at the Oklahoma Arena. It was pretty amazing. Wow, wow, that that, that really amazed me because I've, I've seen uh, I, I've I've been to a couple of different like Russell Con type of events where Sting was there. I was really impressed with the line for for Sting. It just oh, yeah. it just it kind of just blew me away, and I kept thinking. I, again, I always kept thinking, well, what what is that mystique there about the the professionalistic character Sting? I I I I I, I maybe I just didn't follow it enough to to know understand what that is. But uh, can you explain a little bit of that? Well, I think I think you know he had different persona, but once when he went to that kind of that crow character, that, yes, the, you know the, the, the black the, the and baseball the, bat and all that. Okay. Uh, I think, you know, and he didn't do a lot of speaking. Before that, you know, he was kind of like a, the red, white, and blue, you know, blonde hair sting, you know. And, uh, and he went from that to this dark character, and and uh, he didn't speak much. And I think people kind of gravitated to that. And, and uh, wow. you know, like anti-hero kind of character, you know. And uh, he, he's one of the very few living legends who's still out there wrestling, you know, with I think people want to get to him before he quit altogether. You know, um, I mean, Ric Flair when he does autograph signing, you know, he I think he charged like a couple hundred dollars a signature, and yeah, he got no, I mean, he got he's got that doesn't quit. Yeah, I mean, you, you, everyone knows Ric Flair is in that building because as he's walking to, everyone's doing the woo woo woo. That's yeah, so you hear it all over the place. It's uh, I. I don't know if he ever realized when he did that, that people would be doing I remember being at a high school wrestling tournament. I didn't know he was there, but all of a sudden I started hearing all this, and then I finally started seeing Ric Flair. He was there to watch his son wrestle. Is what he yeah, was he's Bobby Reed he used to wrestle. Matter of fact, he went to Japan, and his boy went to Japan and wrestled. Um, and he, he was involved in a lot of AAU stuff. He, you know, he was proud dad, and, and uh, yeah, he would show up. And, and um, you know, but... For those of you who don't know, Rick Flair that you see on television is Rick, real Rick Flair. You know that, you know he's like that all the time. There's yes, no fake. Okay. What, what you see on television, you see behind stage. He, he just he he is a living, breathing person of of that character. You know, so that it's, it's, it's him. Yeah, yeah. So, well, Sonny, I, I don't want to want to cut you off. Is there anything else you want to plug or anything like that? I mean, there's our Tony. Did we miss anything we should jump into? I mean, I just looked at. Yeah, you know, the time just flew by here. Just now for, I would, for a quick hour. I'd like to know. I know from from seventy five to like um, eighty seven. You know, you did professional kickboxing and martial arts yeah. tournaments, and you were also the Pre professional karate association named you the uh, best bantamweight in the world at that time. Yeah, back in the day, this is this is pre UFC. So you know, this is this is kickboxing. 
We used to do what we call point fighting. It's kind of like fencing. It's control blows. Most of the karate tournament, when they fight, it's control blows, right? We're not trying to draw a fist through a guy's chest. We're not trying to kick to take a guy's head off. But it, the control part is part of the part of the competition. You know, it's kind of almost like an art form, right? Um, hitting somebody without, you know, breaking bones. And 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 although a lot of a lot of bone gets broken at, at competition, but so we just said, so there was always an argument. If, if Dan Sever and I was fighting, we're both point fighter, you know, who had who first? There'll be four judges and red flag or white flag will go up and, and it, it's a judgment call. Who had who first, right? A lot like fencing. So so, some point in time, two guys who was very close in a competition will go, you know, you know I hit you first, right? And the guy goes, well, no, I got the point because the judge says I hit you first. Well, let's see who really who can really go. So that evolved into what we call full contact karate. You know, which is we're actually going to hit each other and try to try to knock each other's head off, and 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 then that became evolved into kickboxing with the rounds, you know, and uh-huh. so many kick to a round, so you got to kick so many times, so that would so you can't just come in and box, and and uh, that evolved into kickboxing. And and uh, a professional karate association PKA was the organization that that kind of kind of put everybody into a structure in a weight class. And, I, and you know, I I I was I was I was the number one in the world from about seventy one, and I fought till eighty one. Um, oh wow! Yeah, nice, so, solid decade. That's that you can't beat that. That's great. Yeah, so I I, I got the fight and and uh, made a name for myself. And I, and just, and I had a karate school and health club. That's what I was doing when I got when I got into when I got a call to uh, uh, with Eric. After Eric was in wrestling, he said, "Hey, come to Japan with me. You know, I, I want you to help me out with this new Japan thing." And and next thing you knew, I, I, I was uh, I was managing the, all the Japanese guys coming over here, but none of them spoke you know spoke English. So I was I was their mouthpiece. No. That's how I got involved in wrestling. Yeah, I used to watch no, I, it, WCW. I remember yeah. watching you wrestle. You had a lot. You you managed a lot of different people from. Yeah, Indiana. I was fortunate. Yeah, I got. I, I you know, Gray Muda, Shono, Masa Saito. You know, yeah. uh, uh, Kanemoto, Otani. Mm-hmm. These guys are all leader now, or you know, the, those oh, yeah. are still around. Big big and, names. Yeah, and and Muda just retired. I, I was there for his last event. Oh, I saw and, that. Uh, I saw his. Uh, yeah, that was a good match. That was a really good match. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I brought Sting over there, uh, um, so that that was a pretty big deal on January twentieth. I think we were there, yeah. and you know, it it, it it's really funny because you know, and and because of my relationship was knowing the business with Japanese and knowing how to do business with Japanese, and very small net group of wrestling you know because it's still still it's, it's a very close you know society especially in japan um so you know i i get to do business i work with a company called pro wrestling noah um and and uh, matter of fact when we get down here i'm, I'm going to be talking i'm going to be talking to them uh on a zoom call so all right yeah and, and was, uh, muda just got inducted into the hall of fame right at wrestlemania yeah yeah she was i was there yeah. yeah, and didn't yeah. you 
He he sprayed you with his mist, right? I mean, um, he sprayed with a mist. On, with yeah, a well, times? actually, yeah, yeah. Japan? Well, one time he did it on WCW, yeah. Yeah, um, and he joined the yeah, NWO or when, something. He joined the NWO, yeah. yeah. So I was involved in the, the NWO Japan thing or the birth of. Chono and Chono and Muda basically became similar to what what was here with Hall and Nash, you know. Yeah. So, okay. so yeah. That's well, awesome. you know, you're wrestling, buddy. Oh, oh yeah, you, you, no, uh, Tony. Tony watches a lot of this. I mean, again, Tony's well versed with MMA, professional wrestling, and then just a slew of other things that he's involved oh, yeah. in as well. Huge fan, huge fan thank of you and your work and everything that you did. Thank so you. thank you for the years of of entertainment. Appreciate it. Well, Sonny, Sonny, I'm definitely going to be following back up with you in the, the next few days there as well, yeah. and to see what we continue, what, we, what, what kind of trouble we could continue to get ourselves into. But yeah. uh, this, next, you know, I, I, Tony, I think what you should have is you should have a segment like after hours with Dan Severn, and I I can come on and tell you all kind of story what Dan used to do. You yeah. know, <laughs> that we, can't, we can't talk oh, no, about no. it. Yeah, I love you know it. What I mean. Let's yeah, do it. I mean, uh, the, the the envelope the envelope will be in the mail. Sorry, the envelope will be in the mail. Okay. All right. I'm looking for I'm looking forward to it. We'll make it happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, you know, you 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 hear all uh, President Trump is paying out a lot of money. Of course, that got him in trouble now. So, but you know, I, I'll take some of that money. Well, I, I can't I, I can't say it had to do with the Stormy Daniels now here though. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you very much, sir, Mr. Sonny Ono, for joining us here tonight on a, uh, an episode of Toxic Masculinity. If we offended anyone tonight, well, put on your big boy pants because that's what we're here for. We ask straight answers. We expect uh, straight questions. We expect straight answers here right now. And uh, it was another great episode. And our featured uh, gentleman here tonight, Mr. Sonny Ono from uh, movies and from predominantly professional wrestling. And I was just say, and a friend of Dan Severance. I really appreciate getting to know you that much more there, uh, Sonny. And, and uh, like I said, up in uh, Wyoming, I really did enjoy myself a great deal with, with you and, and the Bischoffs. So. Absolutely. And Dan, and, and, and nice to have you. And Tony, it's nice meeting you. you and we will see you next time. You know, just hit me up anytime. And, and, and uh, like I said, I can give you some backstory on Dan. Perfect. Maybe we can call it Dark Side of Dan Severn. I don't know. We need that. Sounds like one of those waiting. Vice episodes. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> sounds like a hide the scene. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All, All right. right. Take, All take right. care, Sonny. Have a good night. All right. Appreciate it. Yep. Bye. Bye. Thank you for watching another episode of Dan and Don's Toxic Masculinity. You better like, subscribe, and share, or I'm going to come to your house.